0: welcome to kafaru cast everyone today is going to be a great day of archery information i have john dudley with knock on on the other side of the screen here in uh, iowa what's up john
1: what's up homie you Not just went you went very robotic all of a sudden you like <laughs> went went into full freaking radio dork mode what happened <laughs> Dropped the
0: f-bombs and everything i know at least they start out that way oh, oh, that's okay. funny well, uh, I figure it's a good time to get John on. Um, I just got the the new bow from John, the NTN, and uh, I had a lot of questions about that. I figured John would probably be better to answer them than me. And then had some tuning questions that came up. Um, I actually was amazed. I bear shafted that thing out to 50 right after I got it. But I, I got to say, John, I thought you were full of shit. I was very impressed. Um, when I got the bow, I'm like, there's no way this. I truly was like, yeah, whatever, dude. That. And just because you put your name on it and it's green doesn't really matter. I, not to irritate you, but truthfully, I was like, I'm sure it's just a bow. That is a amazing for a you know 33 and change bow or whatever it is, 32 and a half uh, axle to axle. I bet I could probably average. I shot a fifty-nine X yesterday in my yard with it, which is as good as I get with an eighty-some pound bow. I got good speed out of it. I'm at two eighty-two with a five hundred nine grain arrow, dude. It's a solid bow. I was impressed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be able to throw down fifty-nines outside at eighty pounds by any means. So you're shooting it better than I am. I'm um, yeah,
0: manlier than you,
1: for <laughs> sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah, what's funny is um, when we went to send you shirts, everybody at work, you know, I'm like, um, just grab me a large, and they, they're like, for Aaron, he's at least an XL, maybe a 2X. I'm like, come on, kids, the guy's <laughs> like five nine, just freaking looks big. It's like kind of like Stallone or something. He's midget. Yeah, I said he <laughs> might even need a medium, maybe a medium. Yep. But uh, no, they they shoot really, really well. Um, you know, it seems like every time I've done a podcast here and um, it's starting to get, you know, I don't want to be a broken record. I'm, it's starting to get to the point where I love how the bow shoots. I think people will be really impressed with it. And, you know, everyone I've sent it to has told me the same thing, that it's it's over exceeded their expectations. And honestly, that's a huge reason why I made the change that I did. Because if the, if the product wasn't like better in my hands, I guess there's just, there's no way it would have ever even been a consideration at all. And a lot of companies are making great bows, you know, it's not like, I don't know, you go back 10 years and there were a few companies making good bows. Now a lot of companies make good bows. Um, and I think a lot of the technology is really starting to get about as close as it can to, to just having maximum efficiency. You know, until some type of a brand new cam system comes out, you know, we're, we're pushing the limits on what we can get. At this point, it's all taking one thing off one side of the seesaw and putting it on the other. It's just constantly give or take. And when I got the first bows, I had, I think four or five that I had to shoot. And the, the 33 inch model wasn't the first one I set up. It was maybe the second or third. And then just right away, I just told them, I'm like, I want to build off this platform and, that was it. You know, for me, even at, at, even at my size fits me really well. Um, one thing I think is pretty interesting is the bows seems, these bows seem to, they almost get tighter and like, I don't know, It they get kind of deader in the hand. And in some ways, at least from a, here we go, here we go. I turned it off. Good. A- amateur hour. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's fine. It seems like the bows get almost, you know, I don't want to say quieter, but in a way, I think just the way the whole system works, the, the extra string tension at that 80 pounds, it's just a freaking really quiet bow as well. And it, it just dissipates, you know, it dissipates its energy to where it's very, very user friendly and, I've been super happy with it. I know a lot of people out there love a lot of brands and, you know, I don't want to jam this stuff in people's faces, but I just know that for me, I shoot it better. And I've shot probably 50 of them now in different drawings and different specs and different builds. And I haven't had one yet that I'm, that I couldn't shoot really good, even though it's not my size.
0: For me, obviously I've been shooting um, uh, recurve for a while and then I, I help guys out tune their bows and shoot arrows through. But you don't, it's kind of like riding a bike. You don't forget the fundamentals of shooting. So, you know, the the bow showed up and I uh, honestly, I wasn't sure what I was gonna shoot out of it. And I, I had my stick bow arrows, which are 300 spine uh, 204 shafts. And I'm like, well, a little deductive reasoning here. Uh, let me hack off a few inches of this thing should be fine, so I, I got it 27 inches and I, I had 100 grain components in there, so heavier than, you know, normally I'm like 175 up front, maybe two. Um, So I cut it, you know, maybe three eighths in front of the rest, um, half inch, which is about where it ended up with 225 up front, and I had uh, trad veins, they're a super flexible vein to shoot like a feather for a stick bow on them, and I'm like, well, Eh, what the hell can't hurt? I'll give it a whirl. So I um threw a 125 grain point up front, so I had 225. And you know, I, I had to without you making fun of me about my peep height, I actually I had to drop it from what I told you. My peep height is is uh very depressing, it's uh five and five eight. <laughs> um, and what the
1: heck, yeah. When you first told me, I was like, okay, this guy has the craziest shaped head I've ever known, and you were telling me it was. It's bad, but so, so now you got it back to where I had it when I shoot the, which makes way, make, which makes way more sense unless you were going to shoot it with fingers, then you might need it where you had it. <laughs> well, I,
0: if I shoot a long necked release, um, I'm sub six inches. If I shoot like the two smooth, which is what I have now, I'm back at like six and five eight, six and three quarters, roughly. So. I got it dialed in, and and uh, I can adjust the pins knowing the speed. I shot it through the chrono; it was 282. So I can get my pin gap within. I mean, but shot enough. You can you can adjust your pins close enough to where you can hit a softball out to 60 by guessing your pins. So I did that, and uh, you know, got the dial because I got a. I, I've shot been a spot hog guy for since the beginning of time. So I I had um, spot hog send you a, a seven pin. Um, uh, hog father, and you know, I got the the bar. You know, it's kind of how I normally with a sight and in, in a bow. You know, once I know the string angle on my face, uh, the distance of my my eye to the peep, how all that lines up, I just adjust the sight bar in and out so the housing matches up to the peep uh, that I have in there, whether it's three sixteenths or a quarter, whatever I'm wanting. You know, whitetail, I go a little bit bigger, but western hunting, I go three sixteenths. Um, yep. So I slid the sight bar to where it felt comfortable. I got 20 dialed in and I shot three arrows. I Robin hooded one and I'm like, huh, I guess I haven't lost it. That's good. My wife was like, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, yeah, I wonder if that was like the new bow aura. Huh? That's amazing. So <laughs> I, I, I got it dialed in that night to 50 before it got dark. And then we went to a 3d course the next day, dialed it into 80. And in the meantime, I grabbed a bear shaft and, um, I'm not man. I got bear shafts to hit out to fifty. Uh, you know, in in a softball, which is as good as I can ever get with a a bear shaft. And I don't tell people to bear shaft out to fifty. It just I I got a range at my house. Gave it a whirl. So, you know, kinetic energy wise, the whole you know kind of total package, the draw cycle. The one thing I had been told by a couple people that had tried, you know, your bow at a at a local pro shop. I'm assuming this is the their draw length or the setup. Is there was a a hump in the in the draw cycle, I, man? I that is I would have to say probably the smoothest drawing uh, on my scale. It's at eighty two. Was it eighty two on yours or eighty one? It would have been on that card. I can. So yeah, I was, can. It was it was eighty and change, just about eighty one on yours. On my scale, it was eighty two. So whatever it is, that's the smoothest drawing. You know, eighty plus pound bow I've ever drawn back. There was no there is no hump in it it is smooth throughout. I was, um, I mean, I'm shooting a two finger too smooth without issues, which, you know, when you get that big hump on a draw cycle, it can be a problem with a handheld release shooting a hinge for people. Cause they'll, they'll get a little hand movement and fire arrows off to Jesus. If they're not used to it for me, <laughs> yeah, I can draw that thing flat, slow, like, just like, you know, hunting wise, no problem. So not, not to pump the bows, tires up and, and psc's not paying me or anything this It's just john set up a bow for me and and that was it and and i dude i was impressed it's a good bow it's a damn good bow um one thing i did want to cover uh if you don't mind there was a couple comments that talked about you switching and i don't want to say in your defense but somewhat in your defense but common sense you switched from another site company to a spot hog um yep. to me I don't know that you're ever going anywhere what up in my opinion, I'm not speaking for John, you know, a spot hog is one of the best sites. If this not the best site ever made. Um, There are some different tournament sites that I can understand as far as maybe micro uh, tuning or whatever, but a, a spot hog all around is the best ever made. And so I had messaged guys back and forth and I'm like, you know, he didn't go from a spot hog to a Cobra. He went to a spot hog. <laughs> like why would you ever um, question John about making that decision? The, a spot hog is either the best or one of the best. And I would imagine was a fairly easy decision for you. Uh, yeah, Anything to comment on that? I mean, obviously my comments are, I just think spot hogs are the best, but anything you want to say on that?
1: Yeah, it's, that was a, that was a long time coming. Um, I mean, I've, I've shot with those guys since early 2000s, you know, back when some of the very first ones came along and got to, got to know them when I would buy the shooting machine and, you know, I use the spot hog shooting machine. It's made really well. And the truth is I've got, I've got Sherlock's on my bow that are over 20 years old. That is what I had shot. And I had a buddy talking about that. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, when, (laughs) when Sherlock got bought, um, by Faradine, um, and well, actually when they got bought by, um, well, I forget who it was before that, but anyway, I got, they got bought then and then they got bought, but you know, and they kind of came out with the site that I had really dug my heels in about and just said, this isn't better than what we have. There's no way it's better. It's got issues this is how we set up sites you know this you're not following the protocol of how we set up sites and you know they were convinced that they could outmarket pretty much target archers and how they used a site which you know i definitely disagreed with and it was a bad mistake and there was you know some really poor product you know 10 years ago from sherlock Um, and then Faradine acquired them and, you know, really had great intentions to get things back online. And, um, one of the engineers there, Matt, who I like a lot, you know, Matt finally got a green light to, to develop a site that he really wanted. Um, and so myself and Levi both went there and really talked about the things that we wanted in a site, but, you know, for those out there who are, you know, kind of in the know, this was four years ago now. And it just, you know, they've been to Vegas two or three times with that site saying it'll be out by June. And, you know, I had two samples and that's all I've had. And honestly, they were samples. They were working prototypes. They weren't completed prototypes. So um, I just kept shooting my old faithful stuff because at least I had a backup. And, uh, it just got to the point where all of these builds that I was doing because I didn't have Sherlock's, I was just going with a site that I really think has a bulletproof design, which was spot hogs. And I was building a lot of bows for friends with spot hogs on there, even though I, you know, I personally shot my old Sherlock's and then, you know, it just got to the point where it's like, you know what, like I changed bows, I'm going to, you know. I'm going to change sights. I mean, my sights, my sight, the reason I kept shooting those sights is because I was shooting the same speeds for so long with my Hoyt's that I didn't even have to move my sight. My sight pin gaps were always the same because I always just kind of shoot a poundage to where I can shoot about 285 feet a second. So my pin gaps were just super consistent. Most of them were just rusted into place. And It just got to the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm ready. And the other thing, too, is um, I really like those guys. I know that they're going to give me the ability to change some things that I like, um, which, you know, we're we're going to we're going to have a model specific to certain things that I like coming out soon. Um, But also we're we're going to go further than that and you know try to develop some other stuff for the future that maybe integrates some of those things that like you said even though spot hogs bulletproof and they're great engineers and they make a super solid product um there's also some some small gaps maybe in the market to where i feel like um us putting our heads together would really help out and one of the things that was really cool is, um, and I did this as a courtesy because you know one of the one of the big faces right for Spot Hog is Cam, and you know I sent a text to Cam and just said like, hey man, I want to, you know, I'd would love to shoot Spot Hog, you know, is, are, are you cool with that type thing? Because obviously there's you know there's personalities coming into into those fronts, right? And there's always some type of politic with that. And like I immediately got a text back that just said that freaking sounds awesome. And then I got a text from Chris at SpotHog that said, like, hey, uh thanks a lot for reaching out to Cam. He said um Cam's really pumped to be able to like work on some type of a collective project down the road. So it's it's a good fit. It's long overdue and You know, I don't know. There's, um, I think I just finally got to the point where I don't feel guilty not shooting my Sherlocks. Two of the Sherlocks that were on my bows are ones that Steve Gibbs built for me before he passed. And I've just, honestly, I've always remembered Steve and Diane and how good they were to me when I first started shooting as a pro. And it was just, one of those things where it was really hard to leave for loyalty.
0: I can understand that. And, and Steve was a stud, um, you know, um, you know, on my end or, you know, with what I do, just more, more hunting, I, I would say like the, the spot hog on the hunting side of things is, you know, there's some stuff that can be changed, but when you talk about, you know, whether it be a Sherlock or something else, um, I guess maybe micro-tuning, micro-adjusts, a little bit smoother adjustments, especially on the target side. You know, Spot Hog's lacking a little bit in some of those things. You know, they've got a bulletproof... um, This is my opinion. I don't want to finish this podcast and people saying Dudley said this when it was me. This is my own shit. Um, But you could make those sights a little bit more micro-adjustable, a little smoother. Uh, Some of the drives are a little bit uh, catchy sometimes, which for hunting situations doesn't really bother me. But on a on a tournament side of things, you know, if you compare like, oh, I think I had a Sherlock Supreme 500. The short bar is what I shot tournaments with, I think is what it was called. We're talk, copping, talking a couple decades ago. I pulled the, um, the BBs out of mine, so it didn't click. Mm-hmm. Super smooth worm drive. You know, it was great, but I wouldn't want to necessarily take that on a backpack mule deer hunt. You know, things like that. And so... I get where some people come from on the on the side with spot hog when they talk about tournaments. Now, as far as a pin shooter, um, a hog it is is pretty dang nice for a, for a pin shooter. I mean, they're 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 super handy. So, yeah, I got a kick out of the few guys that messaged me about that. I'm like, dude, he didn't downgrade and he didn't sidestep. He he upgraded. How can you bitch about a guy upgrading in in product and and a lot of it too? If you are a f- offered the ability to change or or people are actually going to listen to you um, on new designs it's hard not to take that opportunity because you you get what you want uh, or at least parts of what you want or they're listening to you Uh, same thing with with PSE so I mean I get it Um, it's easy to it would have been an easy decision on my end
1: yeah yeah I mean I don't know I'm surprised you listen to so much stuff like I don't, I don't even know how people have time to listen to people's opinions. I just, honestly, all I do is I state my opinion based on what I, what I shoot the best, or or what people ask me, or what's shooting good for someone else. You know, at that point, like I don't need, I'm not going to get in a debate about anything. It's, you know, I'm just, I'm not to the point where. I have discussions anymore. I just make statements and you know it's too hard to go, you know, you just go down rabbit holes that are one, they're negative and I you know, I just like if I see negativity on the horizon, I just turn the other way because there's like, you know, so much positive in a ton of different directions I could go. Um, but you know, Spot Hog makes a great product. Would I would I use a spot hog A current spot hog product if I was in full competition mode I don't know if I would I don't I don't know probably probably not currently just because like you said it's you know when you're out there and you're shooting 70 meters it was really nice to grab a dial and make two clicks without having to loosen something first Um, you know, that was, that was really nice for left and right. You know, when you're trying to, to shoot in the wind and, and play those. Um, but in saying that, you know, these things, even though you're having to loosen stuff, make an adjustment, tighten it back up, they're heavy duty enough and they're built well to where the repeat, repeatability of where that locks back into. It's not like I'm seeing variation. Um, so I think I think it's only going to go up from there. You know, there's a few things that I have to get used to. You know, I, I definitely have to get used to the to the wheel. I've you know I've asked them on the new ones that we're doing. Um, the knock on ones will actually have an extended scale. So you're not going to be limited to a hundred yards. Um, also the scale. I don't like the multicolors on the scale too. I think it gets hard to see in a blind once it's dark. Um, so, you know, we are going to be coming forward with a with the scale that doesn't have dark numbers to where you'll be able to see it a little bit better. And there's a few other things too, but it's funny. I've always really liked the fast Eddie. Um, I'm not a, the fast eddy for me fits my hunting peep sights really well. I also I'm a tall you know I'm a tall archer so I can't really have my sight extended that far out. Otherwise my pin gaps just get so big that you know I struggled with the longer yardages. So um, just by having that sight closer you know I'm able to keep my pin gaps manageable um, and a little bit tighter together. And the other thing too, is I really like a sight to where when you have, you know, roughly a 10 inch or an 11 inch overall, a stabilizer length that when you're hunting sights on there and you set your bow straight down on the ground, you're not getting shit in your pins. And some of these that extend out too far, you know, it just doesn't for me anyway, and how I hunt, it's not practical
0: gotcha and i i agree uh pretty much everything you said there uh you know with the spot hogs now when um one of the other things i kind of wanted to cover um with with tuning and i brought it up to you real quick on the the cell phone earlier um the one thing that i try to explain to people when you talk about tuning is uh you know everything's kind of a rob peter to to pay paul gay meaning you know, if, if you want to shoot a, um, you know, uh, a heavier point weight, you may need to potentially uh, sh- cut, cut your arrow down, drop, drop down, or shoot a stiffer spined arrow. Um, you know, if you want to add or take away point weight, I, I said that backwards. So what I was hoping maybe you and I could clarify for people, uh, everything being equal, uh, meaning let's say you're shooting 70 pounds in a 29-inch draw. Uh, do you think you could equate, um, if like one inch of, of arrow length would be equal to in, in weight on the front or back end? So I usually tell people if you're, you know, cutting an inch or so of arrow off, you're looking at 30 to 50 grains, evening things back up. Uh, if that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, the only why I bring this up is I, I don't know how many people, it was a pile. Could not believe I could get a 300 spine arrow to fly out of that bow. And I'm like, Well, guys, I I cut it down to 27 inches. It's it's short. Uh, you yeah. know, with 225 up front. And guys were like, Well, I under totally understand 175, but how did you get two twenty five? And I'm like, Well, fifty grains is like an inch of arrow. So
1: yeah. you know, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Um Yeah, sure. Yeah. When it comes to arrows, this is a question that it's an impossible one to tell everyone exactly what they need. You can certainly get them close. And, yeah, there's basic principles to arrow building. And uh, and what I refer to as arrow tuning because I really feel like you set up a bow and you tune arrows. You know, the arrow is what is really absorbing that energy and having a lot of different things kind of affect it as it's going downrange to impact where you're aiming. So um, there's a lot of stuff that factors in. There really is. Now, one of the things I'll say, um, this is especially true from what I found on the PSE cam, on the Evolve cam, is, and, and back in the day, this was very like this was in front of all of us when it came to arrow charts there, there used to be different types of cams that you chose from, you chose a round wheel or you chose a hard cam or you chose or a medium (laughs) cam. Right. Well, there's certainly a point where as archery grew and the, the chase for speeds was happening there were very hard cams and aggressive cam cycles to achieve speeds. So you were, you were robbing forgiveness and ease of drawing a bow back in order to have it put out speeds. Um, probably one of the, one of the ways I could easily describe that right now. And I, I don't have enough knowledge in the PSE side of things. Um, Well, maybe an older model, but okay, like for for my Hoyts, there was a big difference for me between a turbo cam and a regular cam. I was not a turbo cam fan. It was very, you know, it was much more aggressive and it was very demanding. And if it's demanding on me, it's going to be demanding on that aero shaft. Now, for people that shoot low poundage and they're trying to get speeds, then that product is an option. Or if there's someone that has uh, a short draw length and they also need speeds, that cam is an option. Um, However, for me, I like forgiveness in a cam and I really like efficiency. Now on the target side, the same is true like if I refer to like a GTX cam versus a spiral cam. Both of those cams were very different. And when I shot target archery, I would have to shoot two completely different X10 builds and also two completely different poundages on my setup just because of those two cams. Now, to give you an example, um, I liked to shoot a pro elite with spiral cams, but I also liked to shoot, um, an ultra tech with the cam and a half system. So the spiral cams were much more demanding and I would have to shoot them about six pounds lighter than the other ones. And you could get about the same speed, you know, one you're shooting lower poundage and getting a, a better speed, which is nice when you're doing reps. The other one, you're shooting a little bit more poundage to get the same speed. However, even though those speeds were the same And even though the spiral cam did have a lighter poundage, I did have to shoot a heavier spine with that more aggressive cam system than I did with the other cam system. So one, the draw cycle certainly plays into the factor of like, how aggressive is that thing cycling and bending that arrow, right? As it launches it through the bow. Now, the other thing we have to factor in is what is the knock travel of that system doing? So for this, I can talk, you know, back in the, in the early 2000s, mid-2000s um, on my Matthews, the knock travels, meaning if you took the riser and you put it in a fixed position and you grabbed your knock and you drew that back to full draw, does that string go up or down or both as you're pulling it back based on the geometry of those cams and how the cam is letting out string and taking up cable as it's being pulled back. And then as it's going forward, how is it taking up cable at a higher rate of speed? Um, as it's also, you know, as it's also like, T- or how's it taking up the string as the cables are being let up. So th- what that does also really starts to play a huge part in what type of spine am I supposed to shoot. And believe me, this was this was the golden freaking egg of target archers in my era that knew how to shoot 1400s and didn't know how to shoot 1400s on a feeder range. Because if you understood what cams do to arrows and you knew what to look for, what the arrow chart told you was only a starting point. (laughs) It wasn't like there were, I mean, when people started figuring out how to, you know, when you cut an X10, if you cut off the back of an X10, it, it, it increases the spine at twice the rate as cutting the, the same uh, length off of the front. So people started to realize, okay, well, you know, for example, I shot a 450 spine X10 with three inches off the back, and I also shot 100-grain tungstens, in the front of that arrow, which is what I shot out of my spiral cams. Now, when I shot a GTX cam, or if I shot like a cam and a half system, an original cam and a half, um, I could shoot uh, a four ten, a four ten X ten, with two inches off the back. But I shot one ten tungsten. So, and I'm I'm here to tell you that if one inch off the back versus two off the back versus three was like night and day difference down on the on the target so using all that information and then coming back to today's era these cam systems especially this evolved cam system at least in my opinion is allowing me to use a lighter spine arrow than what the chart is telling me that i can use and the reason it's doing that is because those cam the arrow charts now when you look at a compound bow easton and i think everybody else just went to the assumption of everybody has hard cams which yeah compound cams are aggressive however there's some now that are very efficient and they're not throwing some crazy voodoo on the arrow, giving it some type of like you know at, we used to refer to it as like a snake bend. So if you would put um, uh, an archer or a bow in super slow motion and start to actually read the paradox of the arrow and how it's flexing coming out coming out of the bow, some cam systems would create this vicious snake bend on the arrow to where instead of the arrow paradoxing where it's bending in the middle up as it's being shot then it's going down up down up down it would create this crazy like it would start at the tail and it would bend all the way through the point and then the point would be like facing up in the air and then it would then point down and it would, you know, it's kind of like doing the wave. It would literally do the wave in a vertical fashion, but it was a paradox.
0: It almost looked like a movie, like
1: a fake movie. Yeah, it's not like it was an arrow rest setting. That was just straight up, you know, what the arrow is doing based on the geometry um, of the cam cycle and the cam system. So right now, I feel like you could – really get away with a lighter spine than what that chart is telling you. And for most people, you can actually go to like a 50 grain brass insert, um, with a current bow of today versus some of the aluminum inserts, you know, that were there in the past.
0: I'm going to, I'm going to, because I think you, you've confused, not think you've, the people that are old, like us probably are following right along. Um, Some of the other younger generation probably has no idea what a spiral or a command cam is. So I'm going to bring everything up to date just a little bit to make sure everybody's following along. Um, If if I was to take the bow John just sent me um, side by side with the old days of the spiral cam or even older days of the command cam, I would be willing to bet I'm dropping at least one spine. When I say down, meaning stiffer. I would need to go to a 250 spine with spiral cams at 80 pounds. Possibly need to take 25 grains off the front because that cam was extremely more aggressive, not efficient, more aggressive than the cam system that's on that uh, PSC. Would you agree with me so far? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So when you have your bow and you draw it back, your current bow, whatever model that is, If it is like pulling a bow like a boat over a giant speed bump in the middle, you're probably not going to get away with a uh, weaker spined arrow as easy as you would a, as John says, a softer or a more efficient cam. Because of my knowledge in in, in drawing that bow back, I had 250 spine arrow super skinnies ready to go for the bow when i drew the bow back out of the box i was like huh i can probably get away with 300 spines that was off the feeling of the draw cycle which that also has to do with being old i i had a good idea because that draw cycle wasn't like yanking boats over speed bumps it was a little bit more of a forgiving a smoother a more efficient cam however you want to see it now I would say not all, but the majority of bows on the market today that aren't speed bows, I would agree with you 100%. If it's saying a standard insert and a 125-grain point for a specific draw length and draw weight, you could probably go to a 50-grain brass insert in place of it and still stay in the same spine chart. Is that That's what you were saying, correct?
1: Yeah. Within yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. it's This is like one of those topics where – When someone says, you know, what arrow should I use? I mean, we've all seen that meme, uh, you know, with all the math equations on the wall from like the Pacific (laughs) Rim movie or whatever. Like, that's exact. When you ask me that, like, that's the kind of crap that starts like freaking going through my brain of, okay, well, how do I just. And that's probably when the when the Easton engineers first started making those charts. Like, you know, if they had someone like a George techmatov in there doing it, which they probably did, I mean, he probably came up with charts that were freaking, you couldn't even understand the algorithm to where they're like, listen, George, you got to make this to where people just pick their length and their poundage. And in his mind, he's probably like, well, what if, what if you know, what, it depends how much weight you have on your vein. It depends the length of your vein. It depends how much drag. Are you shooting a lighted knock? How long is your front point? You know, Does the insert go around the shaft or is it going inside of the shaft? How far in is it going? I'm like, you know, all this stuff starts to immediately change spine because you know what's difficult is a 75-grain brass insert goes further inside of the shaft on a hit insert than a 50. So by having something further in that shaft a half of an inch, it probably compensates for the extra weight when it comes to the how that arrow shaft is actually flexing because, you know, if you put something stiff over the end of an arrow or inside of the arrow, you kind of have to factor in, well, When that arrow is bending, it's kind of bending between those points that don't have a container or don't have um, a long post going inside of it, too. So like for and I guess the easiest way to describe this is back when I shot X10s. So. X10s, you had the option for different points. One of the points was a tungsten point, which was a very dense, heavy material that allowed you to have a much shorter point even though it was heavy. The alternative to that and the cheaper one because of the cost of material was a steel point. So you could have a steel point that was 120 grains, but it was probably three times the length of the tungsten point that was the same weight. So there were times where I would build setups and just depending on the arrow I was using, there were times where the tungsten at 120 grains shot noticeably better than the stainless steel point. But there are also times where I went to tournaments and people were like, you can get tungsten points. Why are you shooting the stainless ones? And I would say, well, the stainless ones are shooting better for this setup. And it didn't, it wasn't about the weight. It was about how long is the point. And when it goes inside of that shaft, it starts to affect the stiffness of it. So, you know, there's, let me add a such, little bit to yeah. that.
0: Sorry. So if what, what John's saying, and I agree a hundred percent with, if I was to shoot a two, four, six, not a, not a two Oh four. So a fat, not a fat shaft, but fat nowadays, a standard shaft, with, if they made it, a standard insert that was 75 grains. And I I shot that, and I took the wraps off of my arrow, and I shot three 1.75s. No lighted knock, no wrap, uh, and no hit insert. I would be willing to bet I would be tearing weak with a 300 spine because of all the dynamics we changed on that compared to the 204. I have four uh, three-inch veins on the back, I have a freaking arrow wrap that's seven or eight inches long, and I have a 23-grain nocturnal on the back of my 204 stiffening the arrow. I have a 75-grain hit insert wedged down the arrow an inch plus, right, just from the beginning of it, and that thing's freaking two and a half inches long or two inches long. Yeah, Those are things that people, when you ask questions... And, and I agree with John. You ask John a question or me on spine, I'll get you close, but I'm not going to get you perfect over the phone. There's also your freaking form and what you're doing to the bow oh, yeah. while you shoot it. So, when when you have um, a, a, a like with me in this c- scenario, I would have bet you know a, a million dollars a 300 spine would fire out of it because that. Everything's John's mentioning, the giant amount of weight I have on the back end stiffening it up, I will say I'm on the border of tearing weak, meaning I start changing some dynamics of that shaft. I'm going to tear weak, but it's bare shafting at 50 yards. Now, if I wanted to lengthen the arrow because I needed it, uh, you know, I didn't want it right up against my arrow rest, it wouldn't take much arrow length for me to need to go to a 250 spine because I'm cutting the ragged edge of as close as I can get for that 300 to work. But another thing to think about, if you're saying I shoot 80 pounds, uh, just like Aaron, and I have a 28 and three quarter, 29 inch draw, I'm going to shoot a 300 spine. But you're shooting a Matthews monster? Probably the worst bow to ever tune in the history of mankind right next to a black mamba. You're not going to shoot a 300 spine. You're going to order arrows. You're going to have to send them back. Um, I, I would say, would you... Agree with that because of that aggressive cam system.
1: I personally feel like anytime you get an aggressive cam system, there's so much that's going to be up in the air. And, And honestly, a lot of the aggressive cam systems, and this includes the spiral cam, normally they're designed most efficient at a very particular draw length. Now, I think, like, the original Spiral Cam was, like, it felt the most awesome at, like, 28 inches. And I think that's – or maybe it was 28 and a half because that was Darren Cooper's draw length, and he designed it. That was my draw Um, length on that cam, and it was awesome. Now, (laughs) yeah, well, listen, when I pulled it back at my draw length, I was like, (laughs) what the hell is this thing? You know, I need 50-pound limbs now, you know, because – it was totally different. So um, that's the other tough thing too is you know where you're at in your cam module position can also really start to change how that bow is affecting the arrow. charts just really get you started and that's why I tell people you got to get out and just shoot some things. That's why we sell we sell sample packs of veins and even though it's just veins people notice a big difference in how different veins perform on the same arrow and it's not always just because of the vein. some of it could be to the fact that you know four three three inch veins are heavier than you know three shorter veins and the more weight you add to the back of that arrow essentially this you're in a way you're making that arrow stiffer because that the rear portion of that arrow is absorbing the force of that string when it's going forward so if you have a super light back end it's it's gonna it's gonna feel it really quick you know it's it's kind of like you know it's kind of like shooting a I guess a rifle that's, you know, super high power with a light barrel, you know, versus shooting a bull barrel, you know, you shoot you can shoot a freaking super fast uh round with a heavier barrel and it just, you know, it it doesn't beat you or want to kick. Um and with with these arrows now that a lot of people are shooting a four-fletch, which automatically, everyone out there, if you're shooting a four-fletch configuration versus a three-fletch, you're automatically going to be able to shoot a, a lighter spine than what that chart is telling you. Like Those charts are based off. They're well, honestly, they're probably still based off feathers, yeah. um, and <laughs> pretty generic. Even they're based. not, yeah. And if they're not, they're based on a three fletch for sure. So if you put a if you put a vinyl wrap on, if you put four veins on, and especially if you put a, a lighted knock in the back, you can automatically shoot a weaker spine than what it than what it calls for. I can tell you from like my experience. Um, like with, with Rogan's bow, um, he's 28 and a half inch draw, shoots you know 82 pounds. For him, I've been using 300 spine arrows with 50 grains of brass. Um, with the four-fletch, he always shoots nocturnals. And he his bows, honestly, his bows probably shoot better than mine. Like I can shoot his bows better than mine, which is weird. But like for me personally... I still shoot a 300 spine arrow, even though um, the chart really has me dangerously close to the 260 spine. And if I only looked at the chart, I probably would have a 260 spine. Um, But what I can tell you is I do cut my arrows as short as I possibly can. Um, I know that if I had a 29 and a half inch arrow versus a 28 and a three quarter inch arrow, I would probably have to shoot a 260 spine. But with with this one, keeping it as short as I can, I'm shooting the four-fletch on the back. I definitely have to have the vinyl and a nocturnal in there. And they shoot great. Now, if I go to a standard knock or if I go to a three-fletch, I have to take about a pound and a half off my pulling weight to get that bow to shoot as well as I do... Normally, I shoot in the mid-70s, so I don't shoot as much as you or Rogan, which also helps. Um, but, yeah, normally, I guess for those of you listening out there, I've personally found that an inch of arrow shaft is probably about equal to about a, a pound and a half to two pounds of pulling weight. So, in other words... Um, let's say you have an arrow and you feel like you're right on the weak side of things. And let's say you try taking two pounds off your bow and all of a sudden you're able to get that bear shaft to come right in. Or all of a sudden you just notice those groups just suck right close together because you took that two pounds off your bow. Well, if you don't want to take the two pounds off your bow and you really want to shoot your limbs bottomed out you really want to shoot as much, poundage is your bow is able to pull then what that tells you is at this point you can if you have the ability to do it you can take an inch off your arrow spine and you'll get the same results as you will when you've taken that weight off your pulling poundage so it like it like we talked about earlier it's it's just this constant you know teeter-totter it's it's going up and going down and and
0: yeah robbing peter to pay paul and and that's um archer's advantage well i think it's a great program i personally don't use that or a spine chart i've just done this long enough i've learned it just remember people when you're coming up with these concoctions and sending them my way you're probably going to get a lot of response responses of yeah that might work because i don't know because i don't know all the variables and archer's advantage just gets you close and if you start talking about crazy foc you're adding a ton of weight you can throw any spine chart, archer's advantage, and probably any advice you're getting from most people out the window, because high poundage, extremely long draw lengths, and extremely heavy point weight really throws a monkey wrench in the system. Because those are all general—that's uh, general guidelines you're getting in high poundage, long long draw lengths, and uh, extreme or heavy FOC. Those aren't general, those aren't standard setups. They screw everything up, especially heavy FOC. Um, you know, and I, this heavy FOC thing, guys are going a little crazy with it. And it's like, look, I highly doubt most tech guys are going to have a clue of what to tell you when you're like, yeah, I want to throw 250 grains up front of my, you know, 400 spine arrow. Most guys don't i don't know ever shoot 250 up front i did it because i was too lazy to have an arrow build so i just grabbed what i had and i had 225 up front but keep that in mind you're going to be wasting money ordering arrows because they're not going to work for you 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 really are going to be guessing on some of this stuff from what i've seen in my experience because most tech guys are 18 to 20 year old dudes they might be a lot more experienced but not with extreme foc or shooting 85 pounds like when they came out with, uh, remember the carbon spider turbo? Um, Mm -hmm. one of the worst mistakes I've ever had, I got (laughs) one of them was a 90 pound carbon spider turbo. Oh God! And I had a tournament bow, right? And I had a standard 78, 80 pound hunting bow. And I'm like, man, I'm going to set one of these up pretty beefy. Uh, Christ on a cracker. It was literally like taming a tornado. Um, (laughs) it, it was bad. And you know, off of experience of doing this, I always and you and I are the same era. We're about the identical age. I'm like, guys, a fast miss sucks. Go for forgiveness. Go for decent speed. Do not worry about setting the world on fire, because not only is it hard to shoot, it's also hard to tune. Um, and so the forgiving setup, in my opinion, always wins. It's quieter. It's easier to tune. It's definitely more accurate. And you know, guys get wrapped up in speed. But anyway, I'm going to get off that subject and cover one more thing before we're on here too much. I want to cover a little bit about um, poundage and let off. You know, a lot of guys you'll hear that aren't overly experienced, say bow X was the best bow I've ever shot or, or whatever. And a lot of people need to realize there's going to be a holding weight that they're comfortable with. They don't even realize. And Higher let-off bows are good for hunting, not so good for for target shooting. And I think there's probably a happy medium in there. But I think what you'll find if you start to dissect and learn archery, there's going to be a holding weight that you're more comfortable with. And in my case, I can draw back a fairly significant amount of weight so I can shoot a little bit higher let-off to get to that happy holding weight, which just happened that this NTN bow ended up exactly where I like it. Because uh, since I can draw that weight back, my holding weight is higher because it's at 80%. I did some redneck math when John asked me, what do you want me to set this up at? I said 80% because I knew it was going to be 80 pounds because I like a little bit heavier holding weight because I aim better with a little heavier holding weight. Would you, you know, coming from guys listening in, try to learn this weight. I don't know how much I'm assuming you obviously have a happy holding weight. Where do you suggest guys to keep their holding weight at in hunting and target situations? Obviously it's dependent, and if you already know yours, don't listen to us. But what's your suggestion starting off uh, general rules of thumb?
1: Well, with this, my opinion has changed dramatically over the years because like, like you said, and I've, and I've had this've had like I've had mine too, where you know you're like. Um, you know, the best bow I ever shot was blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You say that until you go back and try to shoot that sucker. And then you realize like, (laughs) damn, okay, freaking, I must've been way better. than I thought I was, if I was able to make this thing work, um, I've got to the point now where I, I almost want to like wholeheartedly disagree with the fact that you need a lower let off in tournament situations because i feel like the high let off bows of a decade ago they did have some issues to where if you know if if you got lazy with them they weren't as accurate so by having a cam that was a little bit more demanding you know you kind of built into that as a target archer and you shot very demanding And you got great results from it. Whereas now, um, I'm shooting these higher let-off bows as good as I can shoot anything. And, you know, right now, like I think if you talk to the Bailey's, they would tell you, you know, it's it's almost spooky that I can grab some of these bows that are 90% let-off, three to four inches off my draw length, and just shoot X's with them. Um I, I've really changed my mentality about that statement because I think it's I don't think it's a blanket statement. I think it's I think it's very evolving and it continually changes. And what's important about it is people it's kind of like the arrow question. The let off question and the holding weight question there's so many factors that go in the type of release you shoot how much you shoot are two of probably the most critical components to that question because would you say the mass weight of your bow i I, i'm going to say it does the mass honestly yeah that'll a hundred percent factor in cheat the system with that yeah (laughs) And, and, and so then with that again, like how much are you shooting or what type of physical condition are you in? Because obviously people learn really quick if they load up a bow with a lot of stabilizer weight, it'll hold really well. But then they, you know, but then what they don't realize is you can only hold it well for so long. You know, it's like me giving you a jug of milk and saying, okay, hold this up to your side there's some people that can hold it there for a minute. There's some people 20 seconds in they're shot. And after you do that first rep, there's some people that we can do that same thing 10 times. And there's some people that after three, they're done. So I tell people shoot what allows you to shoot good the longest. Um, Because I know for me right now, like the bow that I, I had a video up last night in my story shooting and someone was asked the question, well, I thought you didn't like a side rod for your hunting setup. You know, why are you shooting one now? And what people need to realize is I'm to the point now where I haven't even set up, I have not set up a PSE target bow because I am a hundred percent enjoying shooting quote unquote, my hunting model. But all I'm doing is crossing it over to where it's target friendly. But it is my bow that I will hunt with. There's slight variations I have between my hunting setup and what I call my rep bow. Um, just because I have one bow where I can I can shoot it a lot. If I want to shoot it all day, I can. Now, I, me personally... I can't shoot my hunting bow all day, you know, I, it's, you know, I can't shoot higher poundage all day. It, it wears me out. I don't get, I, I'm not as accurate with it in the long term, but I'm a hundred percent effective with it on shor- short term, which for me, it's, it's a hunting setup. And the other thing too, is I like to practice with a bow that is a little bit heavier. Um, just because if I get used to, to, carrying a heavier bow around, which has a side rod and stuff like that, it makes me walking around the hunting woods with a quiver on and that sort of thing, it, you know, makes it manageable as well. So I think people really have to shoot what they shoot best. For some people, 90% let off is going to feel like they're not holding anything. Some people, you know, are going to just say, "Wow, this feels so good. Like I'm not straining right now to keep this back." And one of the cool things about that this evolve cam that's on that's on the bow is, you know, you loosen one torque screw and you can adjust the cam stop position from either the lowest let-off setting, uh, which is what yours is at versus you can go Um, 80, 85, or 90. And I shoot mine at 90. Uh, you and Barklow both shoot yours at 80. Uh, the, you know, Bailey shoots hers at, at 80, really likes it there. Um, I've got another buddy that really likes his at 85. Um, so it does give you the option, but you know, you also have to keep in mind what is your peak weight, you know, on my 60 pound bow. I like the 80 you know, versus on my 75 pound bow or my 78 pound bow. I like the 90, you know, but then again, you know, when I go to some States, you know, I have to change mods out to where I'm, you know, legal in those particular States. Um, and I can manage it for that amount of time. But when it comes to just shooting every single day and building confidence in what I'm doing, I just like to shoot what I shoot good. And, the let off that I have on my PSEs, it honestly feels different than the let off that was on my Hoyts, and it feels different than the let offs on on the Matthews that I have too. I would definitely so, agree with that. <laughs> so, so I think you, you know, I think it's just something that you have to get out and try. But what's awesome is being able to adjust it without having to go to a bow press and change mods. I mean, this is something that. Anybody who knows righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, they can do it.
0: I, and I, that's a good point because I, you know, when I talk with guys, and, and I've had people I have no doubt messaged you and immediately ask me the same question to see if I give them a different answer as you. One of the recent questions that's come about is that stupid-ass side rod for hunting. Do you shoot one? And I'm like, eh, only if I have to. Well, what do you mean? I'm like... I'm not going to put one on if I can get away with it. Well, what do you mean by that? I'm like, if I shoot good without a side rod, I'm not going to pack the fucking thing around. It's heavy enough to begin with. I I, I only would put a side rod on a hunting bow if I just had um, a a hell of a time leveling the bow up that I just was like, man, I have got it. Which really has only happened one time because it's a burden to pack around. It's heavy. And I, it's, it's not necessarily, um, you know, needed, right. With a target bow, it's a, it's a different story. It's a different game. And so when guys ask me that, I'm like, you know, man, fool around with it. But if you can get away without it, you don't want to carry it. Like in my opinion, right. It's just too much of a pain in the butt. Um, you know, in comparison to send to a target bow. Now, the other thing you want to be as accurate as you can with a hunting bow, but I'm not shooting at low 12s with a hunting bow, I'm shooting at lungs, right? And and different scenario, uh, you know, totally. And I don't, I think people read what they want to and certainly hear out of what they read or or comprehend what they want to because I would say, uh, John, if you took me, you, uh, 14 other good shooters side by side, how much do you think our groups would shrink at 60 yards with or without a side rod? I don't
1: know. I think I can shoot... Both of them probably equal. Just as well. honestly, pretty yeah, damn but, close. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I think I think the difference is when you have a bow that's really weighted, weighted right. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you go out and you're not quite feeling like you're totally there, it's pretty cool when you draw back and and uh, it just. Holds a little bit steadier, you know. I like to shoot a side rod for tacks, tack events. I like to shoot a side rod in the backyard, you know. I enjoy that. Um, you know, my bow, my, my bow sits well. Um, you know, it sits well without my without my quiver on there and stuff. And and honestly, like I said, I like to get used to the overall the overall physical weight of my bow with that side rod will be very similar to with my quiver. I personally don't like to just go out and have like a quiver rattling around with arrows in it shooting all the time. So, you know, I don't shoot with my quiver on, but I do like to get used to the, to that physical weight of the bow as I'm maneuvering it and holding it. But in a hunting situation, yeah, to me, nothing's more annoying than a quiver and a side rod. (laughs) I mean, like, that's kind of
0: my point is, is if, you know, you're sitting there, and you know you have to draw the bow back and level it up and, and everything else. Every, you know, with it, you're going to shoot as good with or without the side rod. The side rod just makes it easier. You're just going to level up easier. But you'll probably shoot just as good as a hole without one if you're paying attention. It's just going to level up quicker. Is that burden of that weight hanging off or in John, what he just said, You've got a gob of shit hanging off the right side. Now you got a rod stabbing you coming off the left. If it's worth it to you, don't listen to me or John. Throw that thing on there. I just don't like packing one around the woods. I don't like strapping it to my pack because I got a quiver on one side. I'm gonna have to mush against the pack or a big dongle hanging off the left. It's a it's a pain in the ass. But the first thing I do on a tournament bow is I'm throwing on a side rod. But that's a totally different story, or at least. Entertaining it, you know, I'm going to see what balances best.
1: Yeah. And the one thing we haven't talked about that also affects both of these topics more so than probably anything is just people's technique. You know, it's like if you have a lot of facial pressure, like if you anchor with your thumb behind your neck and you put a lot of chin pressure on the arrow shaft or on the back of the string, a high let off bow where that string is sitting back there by your face longer you know when it comes to like launch time it's gonna pose more of a problem than if you have a lower let off type thing but what i'll what i'll say is if you get to the point where you're able to be equally accurate with side rod or not high let off or not then you really will truly have the ability to know what your arrow is truly doing in comparison to the bow that you're shooting it through. Because one of the things that's hard when people ask me, the question is I've never seen most of them shoot. And even if I told you the exact arrow configuration that a hundred percent could shoot in the same holes with a shooting machine if your technique's bad, if you know if your grip's poor, if you have facial pressure, if the direction of your release is poor as it as you, you know, as you let that arrow go, that stuff starts to affect things and the the worse your arrow matches to your bow, the more that stuff's going to magnify it as well. So it, it gets really hard to to understand that stuff. One of the things I just really stress to people is, you know, this information is all great, but if you're going to spend more time trying to listen to this information, than you are to just go out and (laughs) actually put some time behind your equipment. That's good. The truth is it's probably not going to help as much as if you were to just say, you know what? I'm going to shoot my bow 50 arrows a day. Like, you know, I got 20 minutes, I'm going to, I'm just going to shoot, you know, five arrows, 10 times. And, you know, that's my commitment to myself. And when you start doing that, you'll, what you may find is like, okay, over the last three weeks, I've done this all the time. And this is like, I can only shoot this good. Maybe this arrow combination isn't right. Or you might say, you know what? I've done this a week and I'm shooting better. And there are certain days where I shoot like way better than I thought I could. And in those situations, you might realize, okay, well, maybe my gear is right. And it's not my gear. That's the problem. It's, it's me. So I think just focusing on something that's forgiving and focusing on something that really is at a level of your commitment to the sport because you know, if, if I went out and bought an F one car, I mean, what good is it if I don't even, I've never really learned how to drive or practice driving. Right. I might as well just, you know, stay in my freaking Jeep and, you know, buzz around or, you know, get my Ram and, and drive around. And I'm like, I'm good. It's, you know, I'm sitting in this, you know, three quarter ton Cadillac just kind of <laughs> floating along the road, you know, and be bopping around. Whereas if I got something that was, you know, totally juiced up, I probably wouldn't even know how to control that anyway. So, you know, really do some soul searching and get a realistic look at where you are in your shooting and how much commitment do you really have to shooting and putting time behind your bow. Because if you are committed and you are doing that and you're struggling, then yeah, you need, it'll really help you to go out and find a friend that has a different spine arrow than yours, but the length's the same and just say, Hey, can I borrow five arrows and just, you know, shoot groups for 30 minutes and go to a longer distance and shoot groups. And you'll see really quick well these definitely aren't better or wait a minute these are better and then you at least know you're going the right direction or the wrong direction um but first you have to have commitment of time behind the bow before you're going to put commitment and time into the the arrow build portion man
0: i i totally agree i'm glad you you said that because um I talk about it in other things as well. The, pretty much the exact same statement is, you know, the the best way to learn is definitely by by doing it. Um, not everybody has unlimited budgets or anything else, so I I get that. But um, if you focus more on form and in, in shooting, I guarantee you're going to outself shoot yourself with a side rod that never practiced form and shooting, and a side rod's really an inconsequential point. You know, the uh, the ability, like John's talking about, is is huge. Putting the time and effort into you know, to shooting. And it takes, John and I were just talking, we're about the same age. I've been screwing around with this since the nineties, John, probably longer for you. And I'm still learning, you know, I still, uh, you know, there's stuff that pops up all the time or new gear that pops out or new cam systems where, uh, well, your bow, I would have never have guessed I could shoot a short, that a bow that short. Uh, it's kind of changed my tune. Cause I've always been a little bit longer bow guy. Well, you know, when I'm, Dropping softball groups at 80 consistently with a 33 inch bow, who am I to say shorter bows can't be accurate?
1: Well, I mean, and again, it's, (laughs) well, again, it's, it's give and take. And one of the things that people need to, to understand is I went with what I feel like over my entire career is the most forgiving and probably most balanced brace height and for me it's always been seven inches you know a seven inch brace height that's because you're is, old yeah well maybe but <laughs> that's why i like yeah. it that's my that's yeah, my happy I, seven inch that's where i through the I, years yeah, I, I love a seven inch brace height you know i i i really feel like some of my and honestly some of my best target bows from back, you know, in the early 2000s had 7-inch brace heights and a lot of people were trying to shoot one sub 6 for the speed. But for me it's like, you know what? Mid 280s for speed, I'll find an arrow that works in that in that category regardless of diameter. I'll find an arrow that groups as best as possible at that speed regardless of the diameter and I'm going to shoot you know, that seven inch brace height and for me and, you know, the amount of time that arrows on the string and for the amount of clearance that I have on my front arm and how that just relates to, you know, my hand position and the forgiveness of my hand positioning or my hand variance, you know, if I'm not spot on, I just feel like it it's always just worked the best for me. And that bow, even though it's 33 inches axle to axle, it's got a seven-inch brace height. If you remove the grip, you get a little bit more. Um, and you know, if you if you like if you like the feel of a Hoyt grip, then you know, removing the the PSE grip off and and going right off the riser is you're going to get that same exact feel, um, which is cool. But the other thing you always have to factor in too is What is the cam size? Because cams are so much different today than they were back in the day. So, where that string is actually coming off of those cams, really at full draw, that, you know, that where the string is coming off the top cam versus the bottom, like that's the real measurement you need to know is, you know, what is that overall length and at full draw? And then, how does that really relate to? a seven inch brace height and the triangle that that's making you know is that triangle very narrow and very long or is that triangle you know opened up to the point where it's it's a very forgiving triangle and fits you know the human anatomy right and i just really feel like it does you know i really do now you that's a good point and, and i've brought
0: that up by by before is back in the day the cams were the size of a copenhagen lid, or or a little bigger and now they're dinner plates so the string to string or cam to cam however you want to call it for me it's the way that angle uh of the string crosses my face i'm comfortable with a certain angle um and the the 33 of today is about the 37 of the day the the old days um 36 because that cam is so much you know bigger i'm one of my favorite bows of all time was probably a Hoyt Ultratech um, all around wise. I, I really liked that bow, but thinking about it, that cam was probably, and that was a big cam for that day, is half the size of most cams today, um, for the most part, which, as you said, it changes the dynamics of things a lot. Technology, I tell you, man, it's uh, pretty amazing where we're at today compared to, I shot an Ultratech uh, probably two years ago And I, you know, I say that's one of my favorite bows of all time. I tell you what, when I shot it, shit has changed. That bow is not what I remembered it to be. Um, Just because bows are so much smoother now in technology, it's pretty amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree.
0: Man, I won't um, hound you any longer today. Um, We're over an hour now, and I'm sure we've given enough uh, info for people to get confused and a headache to think about. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, dude, I, I... I appreciate you getting that bow built for me, man. Um, you know, do you want to explain, can people send bows in to have you build them? Um, obviously you did it as a favor to, to me and, and kind of to see what you guys do, but you want to explain that
1: before we get off? Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I probably wouldn't have, or even couldn't have done things the way that I, the way I'm doing them here the last few years. Um, For me, this move was, it was a move where, you know, I, I really like the product and there's a certain part of me that really wants to try to do something cool for the people who have been not only good for the industry, but also good friends of mine or, or good to me. So, um, if I'm honest, uh, You know, it's, it's weird saying this, but I pretty much took a big chunk of money and just said, you know, what I'm going to do this year is, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to personally build bows for, for 50 people who have been a, a positive influence for me. And so these bows, I mean, you know, yeah, there's, There's people like Joe Rogan that I've built for or Jocko. But, you know, there's also just everyday dorks like you with a really weird pee pipe that um, that I just wanted to offer my time and do something cool for. And, um, you know, I think I don't really know how to explain it. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to to, you know, it's not a business for me. You didn't pay me. Um, this is a big expense, but I just really feel like if I do something for people that do good for archery, that a lot of positive things will come out of it this year. And, you know, all these, they're not going out with obligation. Um, they're just going out as a gesture. Um, you know, I, I feel like I feel like I made a a move to a company that I really believe in and that I'm invested in, you know, for the rest of my career. And I want people to, to kind of get a feel for, for, you know, why I'm talking about the product and like the product. And also, you know, I want to be able, there's certain people where it's like, you know, I don't know. I want them to, to kind of understand why, if I build a bow for people, why they like it, you know, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't think I'm doing anything that's, you know, I guess light years of ahead of everyone else. I just am very meticulous and, you know, every freaking screw on that bow has been checked, you know, every single one. And, and if, you know, if you would have shot one of our arrows, you know, I would have spent a day finding, an arrow that I felt like shot best out of it. I, I, I did one that was as close as possible to what you have, which is what we sent it to you tuned based on one that I thought was as close as what you would end up using. Um, so it's awesome to know that, that that was right. But yeah, I mean, typically, um, these that land to people, they're kind of a surprise and they're people that, you know, who I've seen over the last, five or ten years of my career or even more that have said, you know, it'd be awesome for you to build me a bow someday. So it's just a way for me to give back right now. And the knock-on custom builds are just something that I'm doing as, you know, I just want to do good. I don't I don't really know how to explain it. I, You know, it makes it tough for me to answer the question because, you know, I don't want people to feel like, I'm not doing it for someone or, you know, or I'm doing it for monetary reasons. The reality is I've spent. Yeah. You've lost uh, and money I will for still, me. <laughs> yeah. And I will spend a, a lot of money, um, giving back to the sport because the sport gave to me and I'm, and, um, you know, I want to, I want to do good to the sport that, that did right with me. And, and, um, you know, and, and like, the, the bow knock on zero zero one, the very first serial number, I still have that bow and I'm really trying to decide what to do with it. But I can tell you it's, it's a hundred percent going to go to one of our followers. It's going to go to an everyday person, you know, that, that I hope will just enjoy it, you know, and that's kind of the plan. So that's where we're at. Well, cool, man. Well, I can't thank you enough. I know, um,
0: obviously it's a pain building bows. When I say a pain, it is time consuming. And that bow came out um, far better than my ex- expectations. So I uh, can't thank you enough as, as well as Bailey squared. You've got the Bailey's helping out now, which is super cool. And, uh, yep. and all the info you, you put out, it saves me time, uh, answering messages cause I can pawn them off on you, uh, when it's applicable. So that's great. So in fact, any question <laughs> you have sent to John,
1: not me. No, uh, so me. I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to purposely talk about things where they want to ask you your opinion on it. Just F- to give you more five and order. a half inch pee pipes. Yeah. Oh, no, dude. It was, <laughs> I thought it was like six and three quarters or some crazy. Like when I was shooting that thing with your, I'm surprised you don't shoot a, a freaking back bar with that seven pin hog father you've got just to balance that thing. <laughs>
0: I could, I could take that off and defend my life with that thing.
1: Yeah, It's a beast. As, as soon as I'm like, oh, he wants 7-pin, I took that thing out and I'm like, oh, shit. I'd be... I'd freaking waste so many shot opportunities on animals trying to remember what, trying to count that many freaking pins. I'd just be like, I'm just going to put them in the middle of the shit and let it rip, you know? <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. Now I'm I'm opposite. I, I've been shooting it so long if I shoot less than seven because I, I count from the bottom or the top, I get confused. I have five. I can't what my 60 was. I'm like 80, 70. Oh shit. I only got five pins. So I got to have seven or I get screwed up, but
1: I've done that a lot. Yeah. I've, I actually really like a four pin. Um, and as soon as I switch to this five pin that I've got now, I mean, I've, I have sent several over my 50 yard wolf now, because I just draw back and I'm like bottom pin, you know, because my bottom was always 50 and now it's 60. So I've just airballed, like, I don't know, half a dozen arrows over the last month.
0: <laughs> oh shit. That's funny. Well, cool, man. Like, well, again, I can't thank you enough. I appreciate everything. And, uh, and yeah, keep me, keep me posting on how things are going. And I got to order a, a backup, one of these, um, cause I'm a OCD and, uh, I like it that much. I'll probably set it up a little bit more for tournaments, but I'll, I'll hound you later on that one. And uh, but yeah, <laughs> okay. thank you, man. Sounds good, dude. All right, Thanks. T- take it easy.